You did good reading this morning. Good job. <laughs> Big words. <laughs> I love that story. For the Lord has been my help. The Lord has been my help. Say it with me. The Lord has been my help. I hope you believe it. I hope that today is a milestone day in your life as we remember the fact that the Lord has been our help. And there are a couple of things that are kind of the backdrop for today and for this sermon. First, tomorrow, as we've already alluded to, is Memorial Day. And what do we do on Memorial Day besides possibly get the day off from work and cook out? We remember. We remember. We remember those who have gone before, who have given their life in service to our country. We remember their sacrifice. We honor those who have gone before us. It is a day of remembrance. And I've had the privilege of going to uh, Washington, D.C. And, and see some, many of the war memorials built to honor those who have gone before. The Vietnam Memorial, uh, what a powerful place as you read the thousands of names of those who gave their life. The Korean War Memorial, that one took my breath away as I walked through those larger-than-life soldiers. The World War II Memorial. Just about every city in, in, in our nation has some type of memorial in it to remember those who have gone before. Today is a day of remembrance. We are remembering. But second, even more important than that, today we're remembering the fact that the Lord has been our help. And I want us to build a memorial this morning, a milestone in our hearts that reminds us of this important truth. The Lord has been our help. King David wrote a psalm that echoes this reminder for us. When he wrote Psalm 124, I wanna read it to you. He says this, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when our enemies attacked us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us his prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. This psalm is a psalm of ascents. There are 15 psalms in our Bible that have as their title a psalm of ascents, Psalm 120 through 134. And the people of God would sing and shout these psalms as they would walk up the steps of the Temple Mount uh, into the temple on the occasion of one of their major festivals on their days of remembrance, on their days of the remembrance as they are sending the steps of the temple of God to worship God, they would shout out one of these psalms of ascents to remind them of what God had done and what God is doing in their lives. Oh church, I want you to remember this. If it had not been for the Lord, we wouldn't be here. Here's the milestone. That's the milestone that we remember today. So right now, in your hearts, to kind of clear away the clutter of the week and everything that has gone on, I want you to ascend the steps of the temple 
into the throne room of God as we say together this psalm of ascent. You ready? Here we go. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, let the church now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when our enemies attacked us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. The Lord has been our help. And we're going to use as our backdrop the story from 1 Samuel as a reminder of God's help. I love this story from 1 Samuel. And let me set the context of Samuel. Before Samuel was born, his mother, Hannah, had prayed to God fervently that, he, that they would have a child. But God did not provide for many, many years. But later on, when she was older, God answered her prayer and her son Samuel was born. And she was so grateful that she dedicated Samuel completely to God. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, it says this, The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. I find that absolutely fascinating. You know, sometimes when we, we read the Bible, we just think God is always moving. And that's just miracle after miracle and things going on all the time. But here's a reminder that sometimes it seems like God is silent. But he is still there. That's what I want to remind you. He is still at work. Even if we can't hear. But in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. And visions were not widespread. But later on, when Samuel gets older... The Philistines, the enemies of the nation of Israel, they come and slaughter 30,000 soldiers, Israelite soldiers, and they capture the ark of God. This loss is so great that the priest, Eli, who's kind of the, the spiritual head of the nation, when he hears that the ark of God is captured, he passes out, falls over backwards, hits his head and dies on the spot. It's amazing. This is not the greatest of times for Israel. Their leader has died, their army has been routed, and the ark, the symbol of God's presence for the people, has been stolen. It is a devastating loss for the whole nation. It's hard for us to fathom this type of loss. I think the closest thing for us to compare would be 9-11, the attack on Pearl Harbor, the assassination of President Kennedy, and the destruction of Notre Dame, all in one moment. It's a devastating loss. It leaves you stunned. All of us have had those devastating days in our lives where it seems like all hope is gone, where it seems like God is silent, that he is not active. This is where Israel found itself. And then we read these words in verse 2 of chapter 7. A long time passed, some 20 years, all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. So we have this devastating loss, and nothing happens for 20 years. 
Wow. Let that sink in. Sometimes we just gloss over some of these scriptures. We don't, we don't think about the impact that it would have on us. For 20 years, they're lamenting the fact that their nation is in shambles. And then it says this, then Samuel speaks to the whole nation. Samuel says, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Astartes. The Astartes is the, uh, a goddess. Put them away from among you. Direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Samuel acts as the mouthpiece for God. As he, he symbolically draws a line in the sand, and we've talked about that over these sermon series and these milestone moments in our lives, that oftentimes these milestone moments come when we draw a line in the sand and say no more. When we say this is who we are, this is who we are going to be, this is how I'm going to live. Samuel says, if you're going to return to the Lord, then you have to get rid of all these other gods, these idols. You must choose who you will serve. You cannot go back and forth. God really doesn't like double-minded, lukewarm followers. Not a fan at all. In fact, do you remember in what God says in Revelation? when the angel of God writes those seven letters to the churches. Remember that John writes it down in, in the book of Revelation? And to, to five of those seven churches, he gives a warning. The first one, the church of Ephesus. He says, you have abandoned your love for me. Repent and do the works you've been called to do. To the church in Pergamum, he says, some of you are holding on to false teachings. You need to repent. To the church in Theatria, he says, you are tolerating false teachings and it will be your downfall. To the church in Sardis, you think you're alive, but you're dead. Wake up and remember what you have received and obey it and repent. To the church in Laodicea, you are lukewarm. You are a Christmas and Easter people. You're not really committed to God and God is going to spit you out. Be earnest and repent. If you don't see a theme yet, hold on. Hopefully it will become clear in a minute. But back to Samuel. So Israel put away the Baals and the Astarts and they served the Lord only. You wanna see a miracle? There's the miracle. That's a miracle. The people put away their other gods and served the Lord only. That is our calling as well, folks, in case you were wondering. Our idols are a little different than theirs. We don't serve Baal anymore or Astartes, but we have other idols. We do. You want me to name them? You know what they are. So Samuel, he, he gathered all the leaders of Israel at the place called Mizpah, and there they prayed and they fasted, and they repented. What did they do? They prayed, they fasted, and they repented. Prayer. They cried out to God for their need. How often do we forget this important step? Prayer is, as we know, just conversation with God, and it is critical to our relationship with God. And I love the communal aspect of prayer. It says the whole community, the whole church, gathered together, and prayed as one body for one purpose. It's so 
It's so key. We are called to pray, not just individually, but we're called to pray as a people of God for one purpose. Second, they fasted. It's a spiritual practice that most of us do not like doing, myself included. But there is incredible power in fasting because I think it helps prepare us to encounter God as we deny our physical needs and focus on our spiritual needs. It reminds us of our dependence on God. It reminds us that we have become so malnourished spiritually while we have gorged ourselves physically. If you've never fasted before, I would encourage you to try it. Now, some of you might have physical conditions that would prevent you from fasting food, but if that's the case, there are other things you can fast from besides food. You can fast from technology, social media, coffee, soda, other things that you can fast from. But a good place to start with fasting is to start in the evening, after dinner. No, don't eat anything else after dinner. And then when you wake up in the morning, you would skip breakfast and then skip lunch and then break the fast at dinner that evening. A 24-hour fast. What I love about that, though, is as you fast, that time and that money that you would have spent on eating, you would spend in thankfulness to God. As you are hungering physically, you're asking God to help you to hunger for him. The money you would have spent, you can give to the poor and those in need. A reminder that we're dependent on God. But what I love about this in Samuel is that the whole community fasted together as one body. That's amazing. And then the third thing, repentance. This was the third thing that the people of God did. They, they repented. They cried out, we have sinned against the Lord. And you must understand something important about repentance. It includes confession, but it's more than confession. Confession, confession is just stating that you did a wrong. I have made a mistake. I have sinned. That's confession. Repentance is turning away from the wrong you've done. Repentance is a change of heart and a change of action. It says Israel repented. Remember all those churches in Revelation? Did you see a common theme with all of them that God wanted them to do? Repent. You've been chasing other gods. You've been half-hearted. You've forgotten to love me. Repent. Come back. Return back to God. Change your ways. It's the same calling here in Samuel for the people. Let me give you a hint. It's the same calling for us. Right? And what I find so fascinating is that while the people are gathered together praying and fasting and repenting and worshiping God, what happens next? The Philistines attack. How dare they? Don't they know we're having church? I mean, really. Right in the middle of revival. People are coming to the altar and getting saved. Samuel, the preacher, is giving the sermon of his life. The choir leader has just led them in an incredible anthem. Uh, Revival is coming. The Spirit of God is active. And we somehow assume that when that happens... That when revival comes, that when God is moving, that afterward they all went to lunch together, went home and lived happily ever after. No. When that happens, what happens? You're attacked by the enemy. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. 
If you are drawing closer to God, the enemy will draw closer to you as well. When revival comes, the enemy attacks, and we have to be prepared for that. We do. The text says, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. I can understand. Listen, church, it is okay to be afraid. It's okay. But don't let fear paralyze you. It's okay to be afraid of the Philistines in your life, but don't let them control you. They face their fears by crying out to God even more. They face their fears by crying out to God even more. That's what faith is, trusting God in spite of our fears. It's okay to fear, but I pray that your faith is bigger. And what happens next to me is pretty cool. The, the Philistines, it says, draw near to attack Israel, and it says that the Lord thundered with a mighty voice that day against the Philistines. We're assuming there's a huge storm that took place at that very moment. And the Philistines were thrown into a panic and Israel was able to attack and rout them as they fled. It was an incredible victory for the Israelites. It really was. God had delivered them. God had helped them out of an impossible situation. Some would call it a miracle. It is a miracle, but probably not in the way you would think of it. Let me ask you this. What was the greater miracle? The fact that the people threw away all their other gods, prayed, fasted, and repented, or that God intervened and protected the Israelites from the Philistines? I would say this was the greater miracle, that the, all the people of God prayed, fasted, and repented. That's the bigger miracle. God intervenes all the time. That's not a miracle. That God can do it any time he wants to. That's easy. It was a miracle when the church repents and recommits their life to God. So in response to this victory, Samuel takes this huge stone, a milestone, and he sets it up and he names it Ebenezer. What a strange name, Ebenezer. But it means the Lord is my help. The Lord is my help. That's what Ebenezer means. The Lord is my help. It was a milestone in the life of Israel. And Samuel, in setting up this stone monument, is calling them to remember. Church, this morning I'm calling you to remember. Thus far, the Lord has helped you. The Lord is your help. I don't want you to forget that. I want you to cling to that rock. The Lord is your Ebenezer. Remember. So in response this morning, I'm, we're going to have a prayer of repentance and remembrance of God's great mercy. And, and the way I'm gonna do this, I'm actually going to read a prayer of repentance. It's actually a depth of mercy which is a Charles Wesley hymn. There's like 17 verses here. We don't sing all 17, but I'm gonna read it to you. And so as I read this, this is our prayer. I want it to make our prayer together. So as I'm reading this prayer of repentance, you can close your eyes if you want to. You can leave them open. But I want you to linger on this idea of how God has been your help. Hear these words. Depth of mercy, 
Can there be mercy still reserved for me? Can my God his wrath forbear? Me, the chief of sinners, spare. I have long withstood God's grace. I have long provoked him to his face. I would not hearken to his calls, grieved him by a thousand falls. I have spilt his precious blood, trampled on the Son of God, filled with pangs unspeakable. I, who yet am not in hell, I, my master, have denied. I afresh have crucified and profaned his hallowed name, put him to an open shame. Whence to me this waste of love? Ask my advocate above. See the cause in Jesus' face, now before the throne of grace. Jesus, answer from above. Is not all thy nature love? Wilt thou not the wrong forget? Permit me to kiss thy feet. If I rightly read thy heart, if thou all compassion art, bow thine ear in mercy bow. Pardon and accept me now. Jesus speaks and pleads his blood. He disarms the wrath of God. Now my father's mercies move. Justice lingers into love. Kindled his relentings are. Me he now delights to spare. Cries, how shall I give thee up? Let the lifted thunder drop. Lo, I still walk on the ground. Lo, an advocate is found. Hasten not to cut him down. Let this barren soul alone. There for me the Savior stands, shows his wounds and spreads his hands. God is love, I know, I feel. Jesus weeps and loves me still. Pity from thine eye let fall. By a look my soul recall. Now the stone to flesh convert. Cast a look and break my heart. Now incline me to repent. Let me now my sins lament. Now my foul revolt deplore. Weep, believe, and sin no more. Amen and amen. The church, we are called to remember the Lord is our help. And he has given us this Ebenezer. So this morning, we have stones for you with a cross on them as your Ebenezer. In fact, I'll invite the ushers to come forward as I'll invite them to pass these stones out. Everyone, if you'll grab one, take it with you. Y'all can just go ahead and start passing them out. This is your next step this week. I want you to put this stone somewhere where you'll remember it. Don't put it in the bottom of your purse unless you get into the bottom of your purse every day. But put it somewhere where you will be reminded. Because what my hope is, is that this will help transform your thought process. That this will help transform how you approach your day. Because you might start out in the morning, if you're like me, you wake up, you might be a little grumpy. You don't want people talking to you. That's just me, maybe. But then if you put this somewhere where it will be a reminder for you that the Lord has been your help and that no matter what you face today, the Lord will be your help. That's the call. That's the reminder. 
That's what we want you to remember this day. The Lord is your help. In fact, if you need a couple of them, you can even grab another one, even after service if you want to. And when you hear the, here in a moment, we're gonna sing, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. In the second line, it says, Here I raise mine, Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I've come. We're gonna sing as a reminder of our call this morning. Acolytes, if y'all will come ahead and grab the offering plates. putting the ushers to work this morning. When y'all are finished, ushers, y'all can come back up. As we give our tithes and offerings this morning, I invite you to put your connect card inside there as well. Let us pray. We thank you, O God, for the gifts you have given us. And now as we give back to you, use these gifts for your kingdom and your glory, we pray. Amen.